Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Oh, oh, it's Mac and Bo on your radio, baby. This is my friend, Matt. Posh, come on, Posh. This is my friend, T-Bone. What's up, the fun? I can't go to work without listening to Mac and Bo. Do it live. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Mac and Bone with you. It's the JJ Hour, ladies and gentlemen. This is the hour you've been waiting for. Uh, JJ Jansen is in studio. Panthers long snapper, the people's long snapper. What's up, brother? It sounds like, sounds like the Mac and Bone name at the front desk, though, didn't get you very far. It did got, it oh, got no. me nowhere. Oh, no. <laughs> Three times I was asked who I was here to see. I said Mac and Bone. Then I went with Chris and Travis. I, Nothing worked. Yeah, yeah, nothing here's, worked. Here's they didn't little, know you guys work here. Little inside. I talk to our guy every day. I know. He doesn't know my... He thinks I'm Mac. He thinks uh-huh. that we're the same guy. So say, hey, Mr. Mac. And I have it... It's only been seven years now. And I haven't informed him that, hey, we're one, we're we're two different people, man. <laughs> we, we I probably have about 30 teammates that call me Johnny. And Hecker gets called JJ all the time, yeah. so we're one and the same. I kind of we, we kind of feel you on that one. Is, that, is there a specialist disrespect there? Are there players that look at you guys like I don't really need to know their name? They ain't really real players. No, it's no. just like we're we're always together. You're tandem. We yeah. kind of we have the same right. jokes. We're oh, we, we okay. go on the field and off the yeah. field together. I just think. Yeah, they're kind of the same person. Just it's one of those names. Absolutely. Yeah. I used to okay. think I would just get called Johnny. Then I found out that Johnny would get called JJ, and we realized this is just yeah. how it goes. You just go with you it. Just man. go with it. All right. So just like, go it's with like it. A great boy band where people just mix up the names of the guys in the band. <laughs> oh, I look at it. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe got, I said too much. We got yeah, apparently after so. the Christina Aguilera take. <laughs> We're learning. I don't think lot, you've gone far enough. A lot about your musical I, takes. I stuck with her through some pretty rough phases when she was. She went through some stuff, Matt, the dirty face, and people turned against her. I did not. I knew she'd come out of it. She's going through less stuff than Brittany. I will give her that, right? I feel like just slightly. Yes. Um, all right. So uh, we've got it, it, the hour will include um, an hour-long Ask JJ session. We will Perfect. throughout the hour. If you guys have questions for JJ Jansen, the Panthers Iron Man, the long snapper, uh, feel free to bring him in. And anybody that's listening to JJ on this show, you know, like you can ask him probably from anything to the stock market, to sitcoms, <laughs> to football, like so yeah. anything. Thinks fair game to the Braves who he loves. Bra- oh, Braves baseball, um, yeah, right I'm around sure the corner. That could come up to 704-570-9610 if y'all got some ass JJ questions. All right, so the first question is an obvious one. Dave Canales comes um, storming through those doors yesterday into the lobby all fired up. Um, the passion is something I think is cool. I like the positivity. Yeah. I hated it with Pete Carroll because so many <laughs> times they would beat us, right? And yeah. I, it would make me upset. But it really worked for, for Pete Carroll, and that's where a big part of where Dave got it from. What do you think of that attitude he brings? What do you think of his quarterback kind of whispering? Like, What do you think about Dave Canales? I think the energy is fantastic. Um, you know, only Riley Fields and uh, Miguel over there have the same kind of energy. So you saw it on in the uh, in the videos they put out. Look, I'm the same way. I've been going against uh, Pete Carroll teams going all the way back to college when he was at USC, and that energy is infectious. You hate it as an opponent. You love it when it's your own yeah. your own group. And uh, there's no doubt that energy and positivity um, just it sparks a lot of different things. I think that stuff is really important in practice. Because in practice, that's the stuff that you can't get. It's harder to get guys up for the daily grind. Game day, everyone's pretty excited, but you know Monday through Saturday, you have to bring a lot of energy. And it's one of the things we've talked about in the past. Like leadership is so important at the coaching position, the head coaching position in particular. That guys have leadership styles that are all very different. But 
when you have someone that brings energy, that becomes infectious through the rest of the team. And it's a really positive attribute. And I think that'll benefit as well. What I always respected about Pete Carroll, despite not liking Pete Carroll, except for the year with the Jets, but Seattle Pete Carroll was, it was goofy at times. It was over the top, but I always thought it was authentic. I didn't think he was fake about it. And I don't think Canales is going to be a guy that's what we read in here that's going to be fake about the enthusiasm. But as far as Pete Carroll goes, it's got to be mentioned, this isn't a guy that just had a cup of coffee with Pete Carroll. This is a guy that was with Pete Carroll from the end of USC all the way until this past season. That's there, that that's that's not normal for a guy to be with a guy for that long. And you would hope that that really has impacted him in a great way, right? I think I think with any young coach, one of the things that you see is, is there a coaching tree? Is there a benefit of coming up under a particular coach? And I think what you've what you see now is obviously there's all the, the Shanahan McVay coaching trees, but now you have a guy here in Coach Canales that he worked whatever that was, twelve or thirteen years with Pete at yeah. two different locations, but then he goes someplace else. And that someplace else gets you to have your own identity. You learn some new things with new coaches. And I do think that opportunity to go and learn someplace else really solidifies who am I who am I trying to be? Am I trying to be the coach that I was underneath? Or is or is there something else there? And so I think it's a really positive thing that we're getting him once removed from that Seattle time. Yeah. Because it's hey, he had a year where he's in charge of the whole offense. He's in a brand new place with a lot of people he doesn't know. He gets he gets to either re you know uh, reintroduce himself to the coaching world or kind of solidify, hey, this is what I am. We're getting the benefit of, no, I know who I am. I've been there for a year. I've run my own team or or my side of the ball, and I'm very confident in, in my own skin. Yeah. Um, we're talking with J.J. Jansen. He's in studio with us for the full hour. Tons of Ask J.J. questions already, including this one. Please tell me, J.J., it annoyed you when Mac literally just said to you that Pete Carroll used to beat us all the time. Mac literally acted like he's part of the team to a player who is on the team. Did that bother you? I was more offended by the whole he beat us all the time. I mean, 15, we ran through well, him. Well, for a while there, so, Tilfi, you're right. There's like right. three games we lost, and then we beat him a bunch after that. You beat so him twice I was a little more offended. But, okay, hey, by okay the way, my bad. For Mac. a while there, it felt like you couldn't get over to hump. Hey, Mac, we by the way, get over to hump. happy new year. <laughs> Have you noticed it's still going on? It's still going. It's still going on. Eugene Robinson now, uh, did not call me out on it. This we morning. got a problem at 925. <laughs> Seth Greenberg's coming off from ESPN, right? College basketball. He's nice enough with his time a lot, but he can't. We don't know what mood he might be he in. He could be a little gruff. Seth Greenberg could be the one that, that gets upset with I'm me. I'm waiting for somebody other than JJ to be like, Happy New Year, what are you doing? It's February 1st. We we'll see what happens today. We had to remove JJ from this because he does it every time. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, JJ called me out on it. He's uh, the only one. And did Stro call me out? Stro called me yeah, out. Yeah, the regulars. Like, yeah. But the regulars. The regulars. You know, yeah, but the, it, I want a non-regular to call me out no, on it. It hasn't worked yet. Um, all right, how about, what do you think of, because you are very much into... Kind of like even in baseball, too, kind of like the structures of front offices, yeah. the way things yeah. work, the way organizations put together. So it seems like David Tepper kind of embraced an outside opinion from sportsology. Mm -hmm. It's not just a search firm where they go, like, let's help you pick the coach and the GM. And also they, they, they will do audits of an organization and, hey, structure it this way. And I, I've seen multiple people write about this, Adam Schefter. It's believed that the way they're structuring now with Brant Tillis coming in over the business and cap and, and contract side, and then Dan Morgan's on that personnel side, it's believed that that is something that sports uh, sportsology in the past has advocated with teams they've consulted with. The Niners yeah. put this in place. So what do you think of, like, does that, does that kind of, does that make sense to you? Does that encourage you that David Tepper's going outside and... Yeah, I, I think I think one of the one of the challenges for a, a young owner is trying to understand, hey, what's the structure that I want to employ? And it takes a few years to kind of figure out, hey, which positions do I need strength and all that stuff? Yeah. One of the things that it looks like this structure is done in other places in the league is it creates a lot of unity between the personnel decisions, the coach on the field, and the number side of football. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the, you know, in the NFL, we're the only league that has a hard cap. So while the numbers can get moved around and stuff like that, like you, you don't get to overspend or underspend, like there's a pretty clear resource. So numbers are a huge part of how to structure a team. That's why we hear all this stuff about rookie contracts and rookie quarterbacks. And, you know, is that guy a franchise guy? Cause the numbers matter so much, especially a quarterback, 
but you also have to have a really strong personnel guy, and it has to be a fit for what the coach wants to do on the field. So I think more so than, hey, who's who's uh, at the top and who's number two or whatever, I think it's really the marriage of all three of those positions are really important. And I always think everyone tends to operate a little bit better under structure. So having kind of a clear delineation of, you know, maybe who's in charge and who's supporting who matters. But at the end of the day, this will all be successful if those three guys, GM, head coach, VP of, you know, analytics and, and salary cap, if they all they all get along from a football side, if that marriage is good, the, the, who's in charge doesn't really matter because yeah. they're all working towards a common goal. So obviously that's the that's the hope that that will go. Yeah. Obviously success and winning helps in, in a lot of that, but obviously – I think these three guys all know each other really well, and that is usually a really good start for for a good marriage. Yeah, I mean, there's a Niners, there's a 49ers vibe to this, right? You've got the first time head coach, which is yeah. who's going to be calling the plays. You've got the former player making decisions, and that Dan Morgan to, to what John Lynch is, but not just former players, pretty high profile sure. guys. I just a cup of coffee dudes that and the Caps and, and Alex Lidigai. There's, and there's, there's, the Niners there's very too. much a Niners yeah. vibe to this, yep. and. That's not a bad thing by any means. Yeah. No, and and uh, I'm forgetting some of the teams. I think the Rams were under a similar structure. The 49ers, Detroit, Detroit, the two in the I, NFC you, title game. You, 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 you do see that there is there is some structure to. Um, maybe this is a good model to follow. I don't think this is the end all be all. There's other yeah. models that work, but I do think being able to follow a plan that's kind of proven in the NFL where it's hard to win. Is it's never a bad thing to be able to follow something that has a lot of success. It makes sense. Did you see Bone? Someone has asked JJ hashtag Ask JJ yep. the uh, ping pong table question that we have never talked about uh, with JJ. Do you hear this like when you listen to us the or ping pong? Or other Obviously, fans? he's in the locker room. They're playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you know that it like bothers fans that y'all yeah. play ping pong? Like, what do you think about that? I mean, like. Well, you are kind of human well, beings, well, like other than just football players. So, so for years, <laughs> I, this is like this is like six or seven years. I've I, I can't match the little Mac hot takes, but this is one of my like <laughs> we'll call it a theory. Okay, I call it the ping pong table theory. Okay, and the ping pong table theory is if you're a new coach and the team and the team you're taking over had ping pong tables in the locker room, well, we need to take the ping pong tables out because they're not paying attention and they're not focused. But if you're taking over a team that didn't have ping pong tables, let's get ping pong tables in the locker room because they're too focused and too worried and it's not fun and got to be loose. So it kind of, you know, this is one of those things that like with every other coach, like ping pong tables come in, ping pong tables come out. (laughs) I don't I don't think it matters one way or the other now. Again, for people in your world, like I'm sure playing interviews of guys during uh, oh locker room sessions with the ping pong balls going back and <laughs> forth, maybe may just be a little unnerving. But I, I can assure you, the ping pong tables are out of the locker room on game day. It's not like we're playing ping pong and then like rushing to throw our clothes on and run oh, out shoot, onto the I'm field. I'm late to get out <laughs> yeah, of the field. There's, not, there's none of that. Um, Didn't you guys add a Papa Shop machine too along the way? Uh, there, there was a Papa shot machine. Did you get blamed for all this stuff coming no, in there? No, there was a Papa shot machine, but it was never in the locker room. Like okay. it was in like the player development, uh, office and uh, then it got okay. moved around. And then it was unfortunately rules, we had, rules office. It was not in, it was not in rules office. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's stuff like, look, when I was in green Bay, I mean, that team was going to uh, the, pl- the playoffs every year and super bowls and all this stuff. And they had a racquetball court and a golf simulator and a full court indoor Holy. basketball. I, I don't think any of it really matters. You don't think there's a correlation between performance and how many amusement apparatus you have in the. No, I think it has. <laughs> I, I think it has everything to do with with the talent of the players on the field, uh, the execution on, on game day. I'm not really sure that if we all of a sudden put a pool table in there, we're going to go 17 and 0. And I, don't, and I don't think if we put a library in there, we're going 0 and 17. I just don't think it really matters. So it says on the text line, the 72 Dolphins, they only read books the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. No, and waited, waited for the next game. Who yeah. was the coaches that have been the most into like rules? Seem to really embrace rules, stuff like that. Yeah, rule rule loved it. I mean, it was ping pong tables on the road. I mean, it was everything. You know, do competitions. I remember one oh, yeah. time he was out trying to stop in front of the goal, trying to play goalie or something at one yeah, point. Yeah, we had, um, I think it was some, maybe some folks from FC who came over yeah. and we were, we were kicking goals and um, there were ping pong tournaments. We had, we had one tournament OTAs two years ago where literally the entire team got drafted. This is the last day of OTAs, got drafted onto like six different teams. And then 
everyone scattered. Like there were people over at UNC Charlotte. I went to BB&T ballpark for a home run derby. <laughs> there was a yeah. bag toss and ping pong tournament. And then we compiled the scores at the end and, <laughs> and there was a win. And, and, and Hecker's team won and he had the cup and it said the first annual Panther games. There was not a second annual. It was just the one. <laughs> was, was, who, who was the coach? Was there a coach that didn't like this stuff at all? That you played um, for? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose Ron didn't like it, not because we didn't ever have it, but soon as he left, he went to Washington yeah. and they had ping pong tables and, and there was and a big story was he took them all out. So <laughs> I, I assume that that was it. We didn't have any ping pong tables with Foxy. Foxy's entertainment was just walking around the entire building, talking to everybody. That was entertaining enough for the whole team. Um, so I, it, does it matter? No, I think I, I, it's fun for the players. It keeps guys loose. I certainly understand the fans' frustration, though, when you're not winning. You're as a fan, you're not winning. If when you're a player and you're not winning, you're frustrated by everything. And so, um, I, I certainly understand the frustration. I just don't Goobox, think it affects Foxy's winning. Fund was designing the next run play. That's right. Yeah, the next oh, play. You're right. You're let's right. Run, let's run, run draw again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! How about we draw? How about we draw a draw play? Uh, <laughs> keep the ask. Uh, a very honest answers from JJ Jansen. Keep the ask JJ questions coming in 704-570-9610. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. WFNC because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this week on the Wesson Walker Show. Greg Olson joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I'm here at Stake 48 for the Hardest Yard Ungala taking place February 26th. Visit receptionsforresearch.org for more information on how you can possibly help out. Greg, the Panthers, they've undergone a ton of changes. Let's start with the head coach they hired in Dave Canales, who was offensive coordinator with Tampa last year. You have some firsthand experience with Canales. You were there in Seattle at the same time. Your last year playing in the league in 2020. What are the Panthers getting and a guy like Dave Canales as their head coach. Yeah, so I spent that year out in Seattle, and and just by chance, so Dave was the pass game coordinator um, for multiple years, but for, again, I was just there for that one year. He was the pass game coordinator, and that year, him and, and Pete decided that he was going to spend the year in the tight ends room. So he was not our tight end coach, per se, but he was he was in our tight end room during our individual meetings and of course he had you know his say with the offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer and the past game and you know what they did as a group but so I got to spend every single day with him for the entire season and really connected with him personally and professionally as much as any coach on the on the staff and you know he was young he was energetic but he was very curious he was very open-minded he was very smart um and I and I really enjoyed my time with Dave and then was really excited you know so two years later two, three years later, he got the opportunity to be the offensive coordinator for the first time. You know, he never really got that opportunity in Seattle and, and I give him a lot of credit and I was happy for him. He kind of was able to get out and spread his wings and get the opportunity that he took advantage of down in Tampa this past off this past season. And he did a great job helping get them to the playoffs. I think far succeeded, far exceeded anybody's expectations. And, um, you know, I think of the four teams in the NFC South going into the year, I would say the expectations of them were the lowest. And um, so obviously he deserves a lot of credit. Obviously Todd Bowles has done a great job down there. And uh, 
I think he did a great job with Baker Mayfield kind of resurrecting his career and standing in the league this past season. So I'm happy for Dave. I hope he does well. I hope he gets us back going. But I think you're going to get an energetic guy. He's the ultimate optimist. He's you know he's oh, he's positive. Oh yeah, he is, uh, and that is, and that is him. That is yeah. that was what he learned from Pete Carroll. That's the way they do business, and um, he's going to bring that here. Yeah, and if you're in favor of it, then you like the QB reclamation projects that he was a part of, right? Like you see Geno in Seattle, at least while he was there. Then you go to Tampa, where he was in charge outright of the offense, and we got to see what Baker Mayfield was able to do, performing in the postseason, competing with the Detroit Lions. And so if you like that part of it, Greg, I'll ask you, what did you see in Baker this year compared to years prior that allowed him to play well down in Tampa? And the most important question, can he apply that same thing to Bryce Young and find success with the number one overall pick? Yeah, and I think the answer is I, that's what he has to do. Like That's the expectation, right? I think um, I think this, this hire was every bit about getting the culture and getting the organization and the locker room and everything on the right track and having some ability to sustain that for multiple years we haven't and we had just our last couple of coaches we haven't they haven't made it long enough to really make that turnaround or make that ingrain that culture into the program and then obviously on the other end the biggest investment that the organization has at this moment of course is Bryce Young so getting him in a position where the offense is made to fit what he's good at what all young quarterbacks in essence need regardless of who they are and and I think that's what Dave did a good job is. I think if you said, all right, Dave, what's your what's your system? I don't think there's a clear answer. I think he would say, which is the right answer, I think he would say, my system is, let me t- tell me who my receivers are. Tell me who my quarterback is. What kind of O-line? And I'm going to fit a system that's going to play to their strengths and protect them for their weaknesses. I think in today's modern NFL, with the, with the turnover and players departing, to just say, I'm going to play this style, and I can only get players, and if they don't fit, they can't play good luck. I, I just don't think it works in today's NFL. Well, and right, like I saw you making this point with Pat McAfee on your last appearance. It, everybody is hiring offensive minds, or most teams are ha- hiring offensive minds because you don't want to lose those guys as play callers. And if Dave Canales comes in here, and it is expected that he is going to be calling plays, if he comes in here and he is that guy calling all the plays, I think that provides stability for Bryce Young, who's already seen his play caller change twice just within his rookie season so if you have Dave coming in here and then whoever he hires as a play caller or an offensive coordinator I should say whoever he hires at least is going to be umbrella in the umbrella of this offense and if somebody does leave at least you have the guy in charge of all of it how much does that matter as long as they're successful of course uh, how much does that matter to somebody like Bryce Young I think it's critical. Yeah, right. So there's two op- there's two scenarios in the NFL. You're successful, and the more successful you are on offense, if you are not the head coach, that offensive play caller who did a great job apparently with the quarterback, he's going to get hired away to be a coach a la Dave Canales, right? It's the exact same scenario. But if you're the head coach, you can weather the success. Now, if you don't do if you don't do well, everybody's fired. We've seen that story as well. So you have to plan on success. If you go in planning for failure, you might as well not even make the hire or make take the job, right? So everyone is always planning to have great success for a long period of time. So what is success going to bring? It's going to bring attrition. You're going to lose coaches. You're going to lose offensive coaches. We've seen it with the McVay tree. You've seen it with Shanahan. The, the ability to weather it is the play caller never changes. They just continue to replace the assistance in the support system around the quarterback and around the play caller. But that marriage between the quarterback and the play caller stays true. Right or wrong, that's why you tend to see more offensive play callers hired as head coaches because it's the only way to really get them in the door. And the reality is finding defensive coaches, you know, who would have ever thought Vic Fangio would be available? You know, he's one of the best defensive minds in the league. And all of a sudden he just he's out in Miami. Right. So like last year, Steve Wilkes is available. there, there's ability to get, you know, Dan Quinn's been a defensive coordinator in Dallas now for three years. He's one of the best coaches in the entire league, and he's been a co- So it's hard to find great play callers. It's hard to find support and consistency around a quarterback. And once you do, you don't want to start over. You don't want to say, okay, that was great while it lasted, but now what, right? You're Detroit. Ben Johnson's been a revelation. Assuming they lose him, 
you got to replace them, and it's not easy. No, it's really hard, and I think when that's why, like, if you when you see Detroit lose, Dan Campbell goes to the podium after the postseason loss, and he says he felt like this was our year. Like, it almost felt like that was a Ben Johnson comment to me because they feel like they're going to lose somebody so important to their success. This quote unquote genius who did a great job with that offense last year, and now it's going to be really tough to replace him. It's really hard. Yeah, we'll see what Dave Canales can do. Well, and so if we go back here to Carolina, we got the article from Joe Person and Diana Rossini from The Athletic, and they characterized the culture in Bank of America Stadium as a Hunger Games culture. Like, coaches couldn't get on the same page. Tepper reportedly had informants, and I guess guys were voicing their differing opinions more so compared to what Reich thought was the best for the team. How much of that being fixed falls on David Tepper and how much of that falls on the coach's plan, Dave Canales, just being successful in the first place? Yeah, I I think the first step for Dave, I I think the state that the Panthers have been in for the last couple of years, everyone, understandably so, talks about Bryce and X's and O's and what style. He's got to be under center more. He's too much in the gun. They need better receivers. All that is fair. None of that matters until a winning expectation, a winning culture, and a healthy environment to foster that learning, foster that growth is is put in place. That's step number one for Dave. He's got to build a – Dave Canales, I mean. He's got to build a – okay, I, 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 I meant when I said that step – I don't mean Dave Tepper. I meant Dave Canales as the coach now. He's got to put his stamp and his identity on the organization and in the locker room. And that goes – step number one, building out the staff – there's been some rumors. I don't know if he's hired anyone officially yet. Has he? I know I know Idzik. So Idzik was with us in Seattle. So I've known Brad. He was his wide receivers coach in, in Tampa. Um, I'm sure. And, and, and again, we'll see how that all shapes up. But number one, the guys he puts on the staff, all understanding that they're all going in the same direction and they all have the ultimate goal. And their goal as a staff is to support Canales. And that way, Canales can implement his vision and his direction on the organization. It's not their job to agree with it. It's not their job to... He's got to bring in guys that support and see his vision and all pull in the same direction. That's step number one. The guys they get in the locker room, the expectation of winning needs to return. The expectation of doing things at a high level needs to return. Like All of that stuff far exceeds the immediate, what plays are you going to run? Is he going to be under center? How are you going to get a better receivers? How are you going to fix it? That stuff will all come with time, but it is all secondary to everything else that Canales has to do upon taking this job, and that has to start in day one. And I think he understands that, and I think his his positivity and his energy, I think, will rub off on the guys. And the guys that it doesn't rub off on, they got to go, yeah. right? And I think they have to look at it from that standpoint. Is this is a this is a a fix first of the guys in the room to build to have a foundation that they can build the football on top of. If you just build the football and it's not built on all the other stuff, it's going to crumble. Well, and Greg, I know you kind of threw your hat in the ring. You were a little bit interested in, in getting this job. Were, was there anything formal? Was there an interview with David? No, no, I no. I mean, the you know, the report came out. You know, and then people asked me followed up. I think there was just speculation. Like, listen, here's a guy here that understands the culture of the Panthers. He was part of the you know part of their most recent successful run and you know obviously I've been around the NFL for a long time from a lot of different you know as a player for 14 years and now my last couple years you know meeting with the best coaches in the league on a weekly basis and getting a behind the scenes look at why certain teams are successful and why certain teams aren't and I've learned a lot more about the NFL in my last three years than maybe my first 14 as a player I've gotten access to it is not a coincidence why certain teams win and certain teams lose. And after every week of my meetings and studying and getting you know, a lot of inside look at front offices and head coaches and, and why certain teams operate the way they do, people would not be surprised. The teams that you see winning, it's what they do all week. It's how they communicate. It's how they operate. Uh, the teams that you don't, same things to say. So I, would I have entertained it? Absolutely. Would I have taken the job? I don't know. I, I think it would have to be the right situation. I think anybody would be crazy. Do I think I could do it? There's no question in my mind. I think, you know, everyone is so quick to, to say, oh, you know, you're unqualified because you haven't done it. I, I played 14 years at a high level in the NFL. I would argue I've had more access to coaches' mindsets and, and building culture in locker rooms and X's and O's and understanding of the game than 
than any coach would have in over the same 14 years. So I, I think we mistake, you know, if I would have spent those 14 years as an assistant working my way up from quality control to a position coach, I would have been a great candidate. But because I was a player or because I, I think it's kind of an interesting dynamic that the NFL has. I think it's going to take one former player to kind of break that mold and show, listen, I might not have come up the conventional route, but I'm damn good at this and I can do it. Whenever that guy does it, whenever that happens, I think it'll change the mindset of how people view coaches. But um, it's not something I pursued. I had no conversations with Tepper about it. But in my mind, do I think I could have done it? There, I have zero doubt in my mind. Well, and Greg, like the problem is – we all kind of want you in the booth too. Like we don't want you to leave the television screen. Are you a, a search uh, your name on Twitter guy? Okay, well, like if you have, everyone is in love with the way you call a game. Everybody thinks you're the best NFL color analyst. I agree with them. I, I, it's been impressive. Like you're creative, you're informative, you're entertaining. The problem is you got a certain quarterback that you have to keep in mind that you're having to look over your shoulder and see if he's going to take that spot. Greg, is this a done deal or are you going to be back at Fox or do you have any clue what's going to happen at this moment? Yeah, I mean, it, from all, you know, all all indications are that Tom's going to come. We we knew what we signed up for two years ago when, when Joe and Troy left and, and all, everything went down. But, you know, Tom signed a deal that was going to be, you know, when he was done playing. And then he took this year off following his retirement from last season just to kind of get organized and take a deep breath, which I can't blame him after playing that long and everything he had been through. So I get that. Um, all indications are that he is going to come and we'll see what that means for me next. You know, I, I my, in a perfect world, I would love to do what I'm doing now for the next 20 years. That's why when the whole coaching thing came out, people were like, would you, would you want to just be a coach? I wouldn't just go choose to be a coach and pass what I'm doing now. I would do this for the next 20 years if I had the opportunity. Um, I love what I'm doing. I love being able to study the game. I love being able to share my views of the game, my insight, the way I see it, the way I talk it, the way I've learned it for a long time, which I think is from a very – you know, everyone always – talks about the quarterback and understandably so but I think aside from quarterback I think the way I was taught the game and the way I had to learn the game as a player was very unique you know there was not an element of the game on either side of the ball that I wasn't privy to or that I wasn't directly involved in in order to do my job it was it was kind of part of the job description and I think I've enjoyed sharing that perspective with the audience and I think for the most part maybe not everybody but I think for the most part people have enjoyed it and I I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it more than probably they have. And it's been a fun challenge. It's been something that I've had to learn. It's been something that I'm still learning. You know, the, the TV, part, I know the football part, the TV part to it. I joke with, with my crew all the time. Like, I don't even know if I'm really a TV guy yet. I, I don't know the lingo. I don't know the cameras, but I know football. And thankfully I have an amazing crew that fills in the gaps and makes me look good. Well, and you know, the last thing I know you're busy, but like, yeah, you talk about putting the time in as a potential head coaching candidate for whatever franchise, I guess, as we talk about the Panthers, but like you did put the time in pretty visibly with doing this TV stuff. I remember you covering the combine for the NFL network. I remember you being a part of a, a bunch of different media outlets, just various spots here and there, even while you were playing in the NFL. And so, yeah, like I think Panthers fans would like to see you on the sideline coaching the Panthers, but we also want to see a leave TV. <laughs> I know. I wish I was calling this Super Bowl. I mean, Kelsey Kittle, those are my dudes from tight end you we do together. I mean, that would have been. Yeah, I saw you mix it up with Kittle. It would have been perfect. He's strong. He ripped my jacket. So I was mad at him. He owes me a button. But uh, the last thing I will say about the TV stuff that you brought up, it's funny. Everyone's like, oh, it, it happened so fast, right? Oh, you got to be the top job, you know, and only your, what was it, my second year. But what they don't see is like 2014, you're you're doing TV shows at what at the time was like Fox Sports South. It's not even a network. But I mean, before I was even on, you know, I did a game in 2017 when I was a player for Fox um, on my bye week. But I mean, even years before that, I mean, I, I did shows that aired on like local regional TV that no one even knew existed. And, you know, I was willing to kind of chase that and see what element of TV I liked. And that's when I landed on calling the games. And the reality is, Calling the games is the hardest part. Calling the games is, is hard. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of prep. And I, that's the part of it that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the grind of it. I enjoyed learning something new. And there's nothing like the excitement of, a, of being in the stadium of a game that you cannot you, – you think you know what's going to happen – 
But just like as a player, you prepare all week and then things go off the rails and can you stay with the game and, and continue to to track it and communicate it. That's the part I really like. And um, But no, it wasn't a two-year journey. This has been a 10-year journey um, that I've tried to take advantage of every opportunity. That's Greg Olson, Panthers legend. Also, as I mentioned, Fox Sports legend as well. Here at Stake 48 for the third annual Hardest Yard Ungala. Again, taking place 6 to 9 p.m. on Monday, February 26th, here at Charlotte's Stake 48. An incredible atmosphere and incredible event. We mentioned the guest, the guest list is going to be star-studded, and that will be taking place February 26th. Please go to receptionsforresearch.org to see more information on how you can help and just gather more information on all of the things that the Hardest Yard program is doing for people in need. Greg, thank you so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Enjoyed it. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on The Kyle Bailey Show... There's going to be a process. There's going to be alignment in our building. And we're going to do things the right way to build a championship team here. Alignment. That was the buzzword of the day at the tandem press conference for both Dan Morgan, the new president of football operations and GM, and Dave Canales, the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. We're talking about that. We're playing a bit of that for you here in the 5 o'clock hour. For a lot of you, you're just jumping in the truck, heading home. You've probably not heard a lot of this yet today. Maybe you have. Maybe you have, but uh, we, we are bringing back some of the best moments. I think the most interesting parts of the press conference earlier today for the five o'clock hour, 704-570-9610. Feel free, free to hit us up and react. Give us your thoughts. Um, I do have a texter, by the way, that is requesting that I put Mac on blast. He's claiming that Mac stole his idea for the Panthers to call Ron Rivera to come back and run the defense. And he says that Mac stole his idea this morning in hour number four of the Mac and Bone show. And that he now hates Mac's guts and he's very disappointed in Mac. He says he's got screenshots from where he mentioned it on Wednesday uh, and said he said it numerous times. And today it was Mac's idea. Well, sir, my question to you is to go after Mac like this. Did you trademark this? No. Okay. Well, you guys thought the same thing. It's just he brought it up before you did. I mean, I got to be, I got to ask the question. You know, I'm going to have my guy Max back here. Uh, Ron Rivera reportedly was set to interview for the Philadelphia defensive coordinator job. Um, I think it is safe to say. And LA. I think it's safe to say that Ron Rivera, at least a fleeting thought that Ron Rivera could be back here in that capacity, might have crossed other people's minds too. Right. I, I got to have Max back on this one. So he stole my idea. I mean, I'll be real with you. It crossed my mind for a second, too. And then I shook it off and thought, no, that's a terrible idea. Um, all, all due respect to Mac and Bone this morning. I heard the conversation. I, I just don't think that works. I really don't. And it's not because I don't think Ron is a good guy and, you know, honest and upstanding and altruistic. It's, it's not because I think that Ron would be backstabbing Dave Canales and plotting to get his job back. I mean, for God's sake, David Tepper already fired the guy once. He didn't like what he saw the first time. So I, I don't think that, you know, Ron Rivera would come in here plotting and scheming to swipe the job back out from underneath Dave Canales. It'd just be a weird thing, don't you think? Yeah. Like, I mean, every time somebody, because we've all got Ron Rivera's number. I've still got Ron Rivera's cell phone number from the times that he was here. Anybody who's covered this team for a number of years that, you know, developed a relationship with Ron, um, you know, we all 
have a, a way and a means to reach out to Ron to get his comments. So, you know, things start going poorly, right? Somebody starts talking, it's automatically getting, uh, you know, attributed to Ron. Anonymous sources, it just makes for a weird dynamic. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think at all that's an idea that would work. Plus, by the way, there's the whole Giro Evero seemingly returning to the operation, which I think might be the most important thing of all. But back to, you know, what was said earlier today at the press conference. This, I think Dan Morgan's opening remarks didn't exactly inspire a lot of listeners and fans. I'll put it that way. Um, I don't think Dan, in his opening remarks, got a lot of people fired up. But I think in some of the, the questions that he answered, his answers were more popular among the fan base. Like this one, right? Uh, when he was asked about what they need to do to restore the Carolina Panthers organization, what kind of players they need to look for, this was his answer. First of all, we, we, we need to find those leaders, those competitors, as Jay Stu would say, those dogs. Like, we need some dogs. Like, we got to get some guys that are passionate about football, that love football. They want to come out every day and compete on the practice field, in the weight room. We need competitors. We got to bring that back here. We got to bring that back here to Bank of America Stadium to where people get excited about coming to see our team. We're super passionate about bringing a team that the fans can be proud of that our players can be proud of. Like when teams drive up to this stadium, we want them to fear that logo. The logo has to be feared again because right now it's not feared. So we got to get that back. But I think it starts with getting the right type of players. Right. There you go. They want dogs, right? They want teams to fear the logo again. They want Moose and Muhammad's and Steve Smith's and Luke Keekley's And by God, we do too. Fans and media alike. Fans want it to be fans. Media, I can speak for myself. I just want to cover good football again. And I, obviously, I want this team to win. But just purely from a work standpoint, I, I'd like to see some good football. Because Sundays for the last five years or so have not been that much fun over there, right? So that's Dan Morgan talking about what they're looking for, who they're looking for, in a sense. Um, also, this was one answer that I did like. Uh, Dan was asked later in the Q&A, about not having a first-round draft pick going into this spring and whether or not that was you know, their top priority, finding a way to get a first-round pick back. It's not really high. I mean, we have the 33rd pick, which you know is essentially a late first-round pick. Um, we're just going to draft good players, and you know, hopefully at 33, I think there'll be a good player there. You know, if we choose to move back, if we choose to move up, you know, that's to be seen. Um, but we're going to plan. We're going to have a plan. And uh, we're going to execute on that plan. Yeah. All right. So I, I, I like that answer a lot. I really do. You are where you are as an organization. I don't want them to panic and go giving away good players necessarily. Now, do I think they should overpay for Brian Burns? Let's say no, I don't. But you don't have to. And I, I think you need to get back at the table and figure something out there. And stop desperately chasing this first round pick. If you really are going to put together a front office that knows how to scout, well, you can still get some significant work done starting at 33. Yeah, it stinks to not have a first-round pick, but it, this is doable. This is absolutely doable. Now, Dave Canales, I, I want to get you as much of what was said today as possible on, on your drive home here. Dave Canales, let, let's start with his overall philosophy, right? He was asked about the biggest philosophy that we'll see from him as a head coach, what it's all going to look like. Check out the answer. It's our football philosophy here. It's all about the ball. We got to be crazy about getting the ball on defense. We got to be raking at the quarterback's elbow when we come when we're when we're sacking the quarterback. Every tackle has got to be an opportunity to get this ball back. Offensively, everything we do from the protection calls all the way to how we carry it to our receivers transitioning and the quarterback, the decisions all is about taking care of the ball. Plus one equals 82% win. That's a historical number. If we can just be one turnover better than our opponent, look what we can do. We'll set ourselves up for success. And that's, if I can make it that simple, what if I told you in the wild card round that the quarterbacks and teams that didn't turn it over won the game? It was as simple as that. We ain't even talking X's and O's and what the style and philosophy of our offense or defense is. If we make it about the ball, we can go as far as we want to and put ourselves in a position to be a championship team. All right, so protect the football. Value the football. Turnovers win games. Lack of turnovers win games. Forcing turnovers wins games, right? All true. Uh, it's football boiled down to its to its essence, to its simplicity. And I liked it. I liked it. D2 Kicker said, this is what I like to hear. Great answer. I also thought that was a great answer, right? We overcomplicate football. Value the football. Everything you do is about getting the football, protecting the football. And he just said it. 
If you're plus one, you 80, you win 82% of the time. It's a simple stat, right? We overcomplicate this game. Now, here's more from Dave Canales, I think, on the, the thing that most Panthers fans want to know. Okay, you gave up all this draft capital as an organization. You, you leveraged a year or two of the organization's future to draft the kid out of Alabama, the quarterback out of Alabama. And year one didn't go so well. So Dave Canales, how are you going to work with, fix, elevate Bryce Young in his second year? Attention to the details, first and foremost. It all starts off with relationship. Uh, Bryce and I just getting to know each other. Um, I want him to know that I have his best interest at heart. I want him to be the best possible version of himself. That's the same approach that I've taken since I've been coaching positions um, in the NFL. And um, that's really the approach I want to take with him. Some of the uh, some of the other things that kind of come to mind, thinking about the quarterbacks that I've worked with um, over the last couple of years is we are going to become what Bryce is great at in the pass game. We're going to grow to the capacity that he can handle. Um, there's got to be a commitment and a discipline about that. There was a growth curve there with Baker. Here's where we're at today. Based on the information we have, let's get into these situations to see where he looks most confident when I see that back foot planted in the ground and that ball rips out of there without any hesitation. I know we got something. Let's find more of those. Let's put it in three different personnels and a couple formations and motions. There you go. I love that philosophy. Let, let's find the plays where he's, he's good. Let's find the things that he does well. Let's build around that. It's what he did for Baker. It's what they did for Geno last year. You saw how those two seasons went. It's why Russell Wilson, in part, enjoyed two of his best statistical seasons working with Dave Canales as his quarterback's coach. Philosophically speaking, I, I love what he said right there. Now, here's a bit more because someone that wasn't the only Bryce question, right? Wasn't the only Bryce question. Uh, someone asked him about, I think it was it, might have been David Newton. Could have been Joe, Andy, I don't know. Somebody asked him about working with bigger quarterbacks versus smaller quarterbacks. And that's obviously what Bryce Young is. This was his answer. I think there are certain challenges. Um, I'm not going to go and tell the whole uh, NFC South what those uh, advantages are. I think that's kind of a pro proprietary deal that we're going to own here. Um, but I will say that there are just certain things you can do to help. Um, there are there are ways to find what that quarterback's comfortable seeing. Um, you got a guy like Drew Brees, who's about my height, which is which is still short in terms of a six foot seven tackle. You know, so whether you're 5'11", or whether you're 6'1", you can't really see over any of the linemen. So um, there's an approach to it. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it's about decision-making um, and just kind of making sure that we can have as many of our five eligibles available available for the quarterback uh, from a visual standpoint. All right, there you go. That, that's working with smaller versus bigger quarterbacks. He said, listen, I'm not going to tell everybody in the NFC South what we're about to do here, but uh, this is something that we can do. Now, a few texters have, have written in to ask already. KB, what do you say about Ajiro Evero? Uh, did I see this right that he's thinking about bringing back Ajiro Evero, so on and so forth? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it seems like that's the direction that this is trending based on what he said today. Here's Dave Canales outright saying, look, I'm really impressed with Ajiro Evero. Oh my gosh. I mean, just the respect factor that I have going against him. I know, I know this scheme going against it. I'm really excited to learn more about the ins and outs as far as how the calls come in, the adjustments and all that. I just know it was really difficult on me for years, uh, whether it was in Seattle going against the Rams and that family, um, or this year just going against EJ twice. So, and this is, this is really important for me, um, especially as a, as a first time head coach, who's like, I'm here to make sure we get our football right, especially on the offensive side, that we have that continuity um, with the players, with, with EJ, you know, just being able to have the mentality that I saw that was really challenging to play against. All right. I, Smoke, I think Averro's coming back unless there's some, you know, 11.59 bordering on midnight type of offer that, that pries him away from here. I, it, it doesn't look like anybody's hiring unless, what, who's still out there? They're, they're all filled now, right? Yeah, all of them are filled. And so at best, where's he be going? A lateral move. So, uh, right. So, I mean, it, 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 David Tepper clearly wants him back. He's already been here. Does he want to move his family again for a second straight offseason for a, a lateral position? No doubt David Tepper's going to pay him handsomely to keep him here. I would assume at this point, Averro's coming back. I don't think it's an unsafe assumption, is what I'm no. saying. I mean, it was it's an awkward scenario, that's for sure, for Averro and basically the whole entire defensive coaching staff that came with him. 
but I honestly wouldn't also be shocked if, you know, he's hearing Canales likes him and respects him that much. You know, Dan Morgan's still here, so he has some familiarity with Dan Morgan. And, oh, by the way, he doesn't want to be leaving a coaching job two years in a row, even though he did a good job and trying to find another D.C. job to where. And, and the weird thing is about Ajero, too, the jobs he took, it's not like he was going to some lame duck head coach. He was going with the first year head coach both times, not expecting to be fired after both years. That, that coach to be fired after one year. And both of them, both the coaches he went with did not even make it the full year. Yeah. Like, how could he expect that? Especially when he was doing his job for the most part. Hmm. Hmm. Craig from Concord said Andy Reid retires after the Super Bowl. He could end up there. You think they'd give it to Averro over Steve Spagnuolo after the job that guy's done? Well, we've seen Steve as the head. I coach. get it. I get it. But, I mean, other dudes there's are getting also, second chances. There's also another guy from Detroit that would probably leave Detroit for that job, too. Ben Johnson, yeah. yeah. I, that I, might be what. I can't argue with that. If Ben doesn't take that job, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, speaking of, there are some people here. Give me 48. Or I, I know you're answering phones and such. But I had a few people, one guy in particular, that was like, oh, it's the same old coach speak. Nothing new here. Same old stuff. And I get it. I, I, I promise you, nobody here today is trying to sell you on, oh, my God, what an unbelievable press conference. This guy established today that he's the real deal. Not Rule, not Reich. No, Dave Canales is the, the savior we've all been waiting. I'm not. Nobody's trying to sell you that, at least of all me. Um, you know, I, I got pretty fired up for Matt Rule. That was a disaster. I allowed myself to be a bit optimistic for Frank Reich. Disaster. So wait and see. I hear you. My point is I get what you're saying. Um, Mike Lombardi, by the way, joined Mac and Bone two days ago, addressed that and said that, uh, you know, he thinks that Dave Canales is going to have to ask for more from his coaching, from his assistants and, you know, other coaches on the team being a young first time head coach. For a team like Carolina that doesn't have draft picks, they're going to need a head coach who has the ability to build a program that is going to challenge the assistants to make the players better and not always say, well, we just need better players. And so that's where I kind of get into. And I think Dan Morgan is going to have to help him quite a bit. And I think the real fundamental question of the Panthers is Dan Morgan able to do that. I, yes. Like, can Dan Morgan push Dave Canales to get the most out of his staff? Right. It's going to have to happen. And look, I think given what we know already about their relationship, there's a chance that happens. They work two doors down from each other in Seattle. There's a great deal of rapport there already. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.